Hey, what's up? This is Cooper Land, uh, the Cooperland Podcast. First, I want to thank you for clicking on the podcast today. Please share if you found it entertaining. I would really appreciate that. A few things about this podcast is going to mainly be sports related and mainly focused on basketball, but I will venture into some other sports and other just cultural topics from time to time. I'm really excited about this. It's, you know, I've always wanted to work in sports I, I did you know my projects on it whenever I could in school and I always loved sports so to be able to talk about sports for a living I think would be amazing so that's what I'm going to try to do I, I went to school for radio broadcasting and while I was there I was just wondering like I could record my own podcast I don't need to go to like a radio station or something and I can make my own website too so I'm gonna be doing that the website is gonna be on the way gonna have social media coming as well you hopefully will click on the link from that to watch this and uh, I guess let's get started Um, first thing I wanted to talk about today was all The play-in game scenarios. Man, does it look like it's going to be real exciting in the playoffs here. The play-in game, what a great idea. Adds so much suspense. I mean, it makes it so that teams have something to play for so late into the year. Like uh, the Raptors and the Kings didn't get eliminated from playoff contention until like this past week. So just that alone shows more teams are involved in the playoff conversation, which is always a good thing. Always a good thing to keep those fan bases engaged and just the general NBA audience, you know. They're not having to sit through a game where it's basically a bunch of G-leaguers out there, you know. (laughs) So it's very good in my opinion. I really am excited for this year's matchups too because boy, do we have some great potential ones. I mean, let's just start off with the Lakers. They could potentially be a play-in team, which nobody thought before the year was even a possibility, but the injuries to Anthony Davis and LeBron have had the Lakers do a little bit of a fall down the standings. They did alright without LeBron, but you know, in the West, alright's not good enough. The West is so tough, and now it's entering today. They need a Denver win versus Portland, and they need to win their game against New Orleans today, too, in order to make that six seed and avoid the play-in. In that scenario, they'd be playing Denver in the first round, too, which is a matchup that I think they know they can handle, being that they beat them in five last year. But if they lose or if they win, but Portland beats Denver, then you're going to see the Lakers as the seventh seed in the play-in game. And who would they host? Well, right now, that's kind of up in the air. You know, Memphis plays Golden State in what should be an excellent game to decide who's going to be that eighth seed, who is going to play the Lakers in the first play-in game. Now, you may be thinking, what's the advantage to that? You're playing the Lakers. That sounds terrible. Well, if you're in the 7-8 game, you win and you're in. And you lose and you still have a chance to get in. But if you're in that 9-10 and you lose, you're just out. So I think you're going to see a real competitive game between Golden State and Memphis today. I personally think Golden State's going to come out on top. The way they've been playing lately, Wiggins and Poole 
how I've been stepping it up lately because Curry's had a few off shooting nights, but the team is starting to step up around him because, you know, he can't do it all as much as we want to think that any of these guys can. You know, I mean, there are limitations when it's a team sport. Steph Curry, you know, he almost defies those limitations, but. You know, Draymond has also been stepping up. He, you know, not scoring, but this year the the playmaking's been elite. The defense is back, and I'm really excited. To, I hope that they don't lose in the play-in because I would love to see them face, like, a Utah in round one or, uh, you know, potentially Phoenix. I would love to see the Warriors get some playoff run. I want to see it so bad. Steph Curry is one of the funnest players to watch, man. He truly is unique. The way that he can hit threes when his body's all twisted at a weird angle. And he just has mastered that, man. It is, it's incredible. And I am in awe every time I watch him. It's, it's so sick. Um, as for the two other teams, though, in the West that are playing, we got Memphis. They are... You know, a solid team, John Morant, Jonas, or Jonas. Jaron Jackson Jr. has came back, and they've kind of struggled with him. But I think they're getting around to it lately. I think they've won five in a row as we speak. Maybe a little less. I'm not sure. But they are such a fun team to watch, too. They're, they're just so young. But everybody has roles. Everybody does their part. Dylan Brooks is a phenomenal defender. John Morant, he's a great leader. And, and Jonas is quietly having a great year. He's Him and uh, Capella are the two bigs this year that have been kind of under the people's radar. But I think both of them are having great years. I mean, you know, the way that they changed all NBA teams so that you can now have Jokic as a forward, I think. So if someone wants to go Jokic and Bede, on their first team, that third team, you could potentially put a Capella on there as your big man. And I, I wouldn't even be too upset about it. He's been phenomenal this year. And I think him and Trey Young have a very unique chemistry. But back to the Grizzlies, though. I am excited for them. I hope they make the playoffs because last year they lost in the play-in. And I just want to see them, you know, even if they're going to get swept or in five, I, I want to see him, John Morant in the playoffs, man. He's a star. Uh, in general, I want to see stars in the playoffs. That's why I was so disappointed about this next team, uh, the Spurs, making it. Because, uh, you know, Zion could have been in. But, oh man, Van Gundy's. Uh, I mean, I guess with that roster surrounding Zion, you could argue, hey, you know, maybe... Getting Steven Adams in the middle wasn't a great idea. Maybe getting Eric Bledsoe as your guard wasn't a great idea. Um, but you know what? I just think that if you had a different coach, they could have made it work. I mean, Steven Adams should only be playing like 20 minutes a night. And and he is now. But in the beginning of the season, he was getting some heavy minutes, which was confusing. And I feel bad for the way their season ended with all the injuries, but... I don't know where they go because you can't trade Bledsoe. You can't trade Steven Adams. You can try to do a sign-in trade with uh, Zion. No. Lonzo in the offseason. But, I mean, 
I don't know if they plan on keeping him. I don't know what they plan on doing with him because they have a few young guards that you know could potentially step up. Nikhil Walker Alexander or Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, right? Yeah, and also uh, Kier Lewis Jr., who is a fantastic, you know, fast young guard. So I would love to see. Those two guys get more playing time. If, if Lonzo got to leave, that might be what happened. You got to maybe do a sign trade where you can get off of one of those Bledsoe deals or or the the Adams deal where you can get off of those because with those with Adams especially, I I just don't see Adams as your starting center on a team with Zion. That's gonna do good. I don't think that's possible. Zion is great, but he needs space. He needs space to attack. It was uh, Stephen Adams there. It's really hard for him to get that space. And even then, he's still doing crazy. You know, that just goes to speak how good Zion is. But everyone that watches know that there's more head. You know what I mean? They know that he can get up to 30 points per game. You know, he can add a perimeter shot, potentially. He could be more aggressive down the stretch. Part of it also is that Brandon Ingram thinks he's the second coming of Carmelo Anthony. And I love Brandon Ingram. I'm a former Lakers, or he's a former Laker. I'm a Lakers fan. And I love him, but he's, you know, he's number two there. It's 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 obvious to everybody but him, I feel like, but he's the number two. And there's nothing wrong with being a good number two. So... I hope that he can learn to embrace that role because that is Zion's team and will be Zion's team. And I would just hate to see that duo go apart because Ingram wanted to take too many shots. You know what I mean? That would that would be upsetting. So I want to switch to the East where the Celtics have clinched the seventh seed, which is one of those things where you say it <laughs> and... It's like, yeah, we made the playoffs, but like clinching the seventh seed, like it's not really something to celebrate, especially for a team like Boston, where they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals so many times in the past few years. And I expected more from them this year, but I mean, COVID hit them hard. Uh, Tatum had to use the inhaler. I know that uh, Evan Fournier was saying that coming back from COVID felt like coming back from a concussion like the lights were bothering him and stuff so they've had a lot of injuries Jalen Brown also just out for the year which is terrible um get better soon but I still think that there is potential for the Celtics team man I don't know why but Kemba's been all right the past like since all-star break I'd say he's he's been doing all right you know, I, I wouldn't say he's Charlotte Kemba by any means, but he has been closer to that in the Celtics uniform than he's ever been. And Tatum has seemed to find his own this year. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit more later as we get into the discussion of all NBA teams. But I think also Robert Williams has gotten better this year. You know, I'm excited for their young guys. Peyton Pritchard and uh, Naismith were you know, both showing flashes. They're both showing potential that they could be, you know, quality pieces on championship team. And that's really exciting if you're a Celtics fan. Now, I think that the key to potentially upsetting a Brooklyn, a Milwaukee, a Philly, if you're Boston in the first round, is 
you gotta have Fournier take a lot of those Jalen Brown shots because if you just give him evenly throughout the roster, it's it's not gonna go well. There are so many people on that team that seem to be allergic to scoring the basketball. You can't just tell Seme Ojale to take ten shots. You know, it's not gonna happen. And if it is, it's probably not gonna be going too well. So I think Fournier has to be the guy to step up for you. And I think he's capable. He's shown in Orlando that he is a capable scorer. And that was as the primary option sometimes. Sometimes as the second option to Vucevic. Sometimes as the third option even to Aaron Gordon. He's shown that he can adapt to the roles. And I think that he's going to rise to the occasion, you know, and have a good series. I don't know if they're going to upset anybody, but I think Evan Fournier is going to become a critical piece to this team uh, next season, too, because he kind of is there to fill that Gordon Hayward role, which, man, letting him walk. I know people might say that, oh, well, he got hurt, see? But, nah, Gordon Hayward was balling when he was healthy, and he's probably going to be back. If Charlotte can make the playoffs, I, I don't – I think they said there's a chance he gets back for that. What I want to see – is Charlotte potentially play Boston in the playing game? That would be phenomenal. I would love to see that. And Gordon Hayward come back healthy and spank Boston in their home court and kind of be I told you so moment, you know? That would be amazing to me. But there are so many teams that could land in that eight because the Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards have the same exact record right now. Now, the Pacers, they unfortunately don't have any of the tiebreakers so they would need to win and have charlotte and washington lose in order to make that eight seed probably not going to happen charlotte would need to just win or if they lose they would need washington to lose they basically hold the tiebreaker over washington and indiana so they are most likely to be the eighth seed. All they have to do is win their game, which right now they're on a four-game losing streak as we speak. So a little bit of a slide here with Lamelo coming back. Uh, it's maybe a little bit of adjustment to playing with him again. They got used to playing without him a little bit. Lamelo is fantabulous, man. I don't even know if that's a word, and I said it. <laughs> Mello is crazy. Lamelo, sorry. Let me not disrespect the god 10th all-time scoring let me put some respect on his name not give away his nickname um the other team though is the wizards and wow what a what a tale two seasons for them they were 17 and 32 17 and 32 that's crazy now they're 33 and 38 that is amazing if you're a wizards fan you gotta be overjoyed that you thought at the deadline or close to it that maybe Bradley Beal might even be on the move. And, I mean, if I'm Bradley Beal and I see, you know, the way Russ has been playing, Ru- Rui's had a pretty decent year. Uh, Advia's going to be back next season. You got Gafford, hopefully, is someone that you can keep. And I would stay if I was Bradley Beal, you know, especially there's something to staying with the team. I know that... You know, everyone's moving around and stuff, and I'm all for that. But when you have a team that you haven't seen the full potential of yet, you want to see that through. And I think that 
that's going to happen. I think Bradley Beal is going to want to see through what Russell Westbrook, okay, next season, let's revamp this roster around these two guys a little bit and see what we can get. Because right now, I know this, out of all those Celtics, Hornets, Pacers, and Wizards, if I'm Brooklyn or Philly, the Wizards are the team I want to see the least because they just have two guys that refuse to quit. They're going to give it their all, and they're going to ball out. Russell Westbrook alone can win you a game. You know what I mean? I would say Bradley Beal alone, but the Wizards lose a lot of the time when he <laughs> drops a lot of points, which is a little weird. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I would not want to face them. They are a real scary team out in the East. And the way Gafford's been for them, I literally didn't even think much of that trade. I, I was just like, oh, you know, Troy Brown Jr.'s getting a new place. Maybe that'll be good for him. And little did I know that actually the big piece was Gafford coming to the Wizards because, man, he is a little energizer off the bench. He's phenomenal. I'm a big fan. I can't say I knew too much about Gafford before, but he has just totally impressed me during this run with the Wizards. He's been great. So, oh, and the West, I realized, I forgot to mention, Portland, of course, is a team that could be in the play-in. I don't know how you guys feel about Portland, but for me personally, I've never, during the whole Dame Lillard era, viewed them as a threat to win the title. Not one time. Not even win the West. I don't, they don't strike fear into your heart if you're another fan. You know, Dame does. He does. Maybe CJ does, but that's it. No one's scared of Nurkic, you know? No one's scared of these guys. And also, they don't play defense either. It's, they've been better uh, during their last little win streak lately, but overall in the season, are poor defensive team. I'm interested, though, to see what happens if they have another early exit. If they have a first-round exit this year, or even maybe a second-round exit, what do you do? Because, I mean, that team is that team. Like, are you going to split it up? Or are you going to totally blow it up like OKC? I don't know what they're going to do, but I hope that Dame Lillard can get a better roster around him. Because besides CJ, a lot of those guys aren't capable for playing with such a star talent like him. I feel like that Carmelo is great, but, you know, he's a little older now. He's not the same efficient uh, scorer he used to be. Norman Powell, yeah, he can score, but have fun with him, CJ, and Dame on the court trying to defend perimeter players. I mean, it's going to be rough. Nurkic just has been not the same since he came back from injury. He isn't the Nurkic we saw that made us believe that Portland could do something he's not that guy so i'm really intrigued to see as to how portland decides to handle this and go into the offseason either way you know i think that there's not enough they can do they gave up two first round picks for robert covington i mean how crazy does that seem in hindsight i mean even at the time it seemed a little excessive but now it's it's crazy you know he, he's been all right but I, I think that if you ask them privately, they would say that they thought they were going to get a little more out of them this year. So I just 
think that it's going to be a tough one with the play-in. I'm excited. The matchups I want to see the most for the play-in, I want to see, like I said, I want to see the Hornets play the Celtics because I just think that LaMelo Ball in the playoffs against Brooklyn as the two seed sounds so fun. I, I think they'd get crushed, totally crushed. But to see LaMelo have moments against those guys is going to be crazy. It's going to be shocking because who thought LaMelo was going to be this good already? You know, I can't say I did. I, I liked him, obviously, but I, I can't say I thought he was going to be as good as he is right now. He's already, to me, like a top 50 or so player in the league. He's phenomenal. So that's enough about the play-in. I wanted to transition to awards. It's award season. I'm excited to see certain people get the recognition they deserve. Uh, mainly Julius Randle. Wow, has he been phenomenal this year. Added so much to his game and has really been the story of the league, in my opinion. Him and the Knicks have been the story of the league this year, even though they aren't the best team, just because no one thought they were going to be this good. Like, you don't want to face the Knicks in the first round if you're any of these teams. you really trying to avoid that. Because they play tough as hell, man. They fight. And they just got a bunch of dudes. You know what I mean? They Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, Nerlens Noel. They've got all these guys that are scrap Alec Burks. Like scrappy dudes that work hard, trust in each other too. Their defense, you can tell that these guys have a bond. They trust that everyone's going to be in their spot. They know that everything's going to be on lockdown. And it's so fun to watch. It's it's cool to see a true team come together. You know, uh, not just a collection of assets, but a true team came out of that. And I think that's super cool. But anyways, so for my awards this year, Let's start off with the big one. It's obvious. MVP is Jokic, man. He's so crazy. He His passing, I know everyone just raves about it and stuff, but that's not even the biggest part of it this year to me. The biggest part of it is his scoring. I mean, I knew this was in him. I had actually thought he would be MVP last season and have this kind of jump, and we kind of saw it in the bubble. When he was playing against the Clippers in that game seven, I believe he had 19 assists, I want to say. It might even be more. He dominated that game. He just has a certain control over what's going on in the court at all time that, to me, is really similar to a Chris Paul. Just in terms of he controls the pace. Every action is kind of centered around him or reacting to him. And yeah, his his evolution to becoming the scorer he is is insane. To shoot as a big man his size as well as he does. And to score as well as he does from inside too. I mean, he truly is the best big man right now. I thought it was Embiid. But also Jokic's improvement on defense. He's not an Embiid-level defender, but he's a good defender now. I mean, he had that game-winning block, what was that, a couple weeks ago, you know? And whether he fouled or not is up for discussion, but he 
made a game-winning defensive play. That's something that I would never have said about Jokic watching him in the bubble or before where someone's coming at him and he's at the rim. He's letting the guy score. He's not contesting it. He's just getting ready to go back on offense. And now you notice he contests way more shots than he used to. And I think that's maybe a leadership maturity thing more than it is just him practicing on defense. Because I think I'm a big believer that defense is mostly about hustle. And if you hustle and work hard and you want to be a good defender, you can be a good defender. And he's put in that work. He's paying more attention. He's trying his best on every defensive possession, it feels like. And I love to see it from him. It's amazing. I just got a Jokic top shot moment yesterday. I love his game. You know, they compare him to Sabonis, but it's like almost like a uh, Arvinas-Sabonis-Dirk Nowitzki hybrid. Like, he has a similar style to Dirk. He really does. So... I hope that he can win in the playoffs. I think that, you know, if he goes up against the Lakers round one, it's going to be really rough for him. With AD and Drummond and Gasol, those are three bigs that can work on Jokic, and they don't have much outside of it. But if you're Denver and you lose today and you play a Portland or maybe a Dallas in round one, well, that's going to look a lot better for you. And I think they could totally come out of that. And once you get going, that's the thing about the playoffs, I think, is once you get going, it doesn't matter what you're missing. You now are like, okay, we won with this group in a whole playoff series. These are the guys right here. You become a little more confident in your players when you see them follow through in a playoff series. And I think this is going to be a huge playoffs for Aaron Gordon. Michael Porter Jr., we know he's going to put up a lot of points alongside Jokic, but Aaron Gordon is the glue guy. He needs to be playing that elite defense and doing his thing as a cutter in the offense and not taking too many shots. And he's done all that in the regular season, but playoffs come around and people can change. So I just hope that he continues to play the way that he has been. For... My coach of the year, I was a little unsure at first over this, but I ended up deciding to go with Tom Thibodeau. I think that he has been incredible this year with the way that he helped transform that culture. Like I said, the Knicks, to me, are the biggest story of the year. They have been nothing short of phenomenal and surpassed all my wildest expectations. You see R.J. Barrett's development, and I'm really excited to see how he plays next year because I think next year we're going to see another leap. Maybe not right away, but I think by the time the season ends, we're going to be looking at R.J. Barrett as a pretty elite basketball player. He, to me, has grown so much with his three-point shot to the point where now you see it and you think it's going in, which is something that last year you wouldn't have even imagined. Last year, you had such a rough year shooting. And maybe, granted, part of that was due to the level of talent on that Knicks roster. But I disagree. I just think he's worked hard on his game and gotten better. It's it's awesome to see a young player improve. You know, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, how like watching basketball when your team sucks is a totally different experience than watching basketball when your team's good. But 
any like sign of progress feels like a win. So it's kind of nice. You see, I remember the young Laker days where Jordan Clarkson would come in. Kobe was out by this point, and we had you know Kendall Marshall and uh, Robert Sacre. These were these were bad times, yo. <laughs> but Jordan Clarkson, he came in and he was scoring buckets, and I was like, okay. Who is this guy? You know, he's our second round pick and he's doing a good job here. Maybe we got something with him and, you know, to see him grow as a player and you still root for the players even after they leave. You know, I'm still rooting for Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, uh, Jordan Clarkson, all these guys I still root for because I got to grow with them. You know what I mean? I, I watched them when I was like 15, 16 and got to grow as a person as they grew as basketball players and they're always going to be special for that time for me anyways back to to thibs though he really has done an outstanding job that defense is scary every player's committed and i was thinking about doing steve nash for my coach of the year but you know what? They got three stars, man. I don't care if they all played different amounts of time, not all of them together, whatever. They still have three stars. So the Knicks, you know, now they have a star in Randall and maybe a future one in RJ Barrett. But going into the season, nobody would have said the Knicks had a star at all. And I love Randall, but nobody would have said that about him. And, you know, credit to him, credit to the front office, uh, Leon Rose, you know, Worldwide West, they did a great job of building this roster. I did a little research because I had heard people talking about how their assistant coach, Kenny Payne, was a good hire. And I looked into him, and he seems to be kind of like a, a, a whisper to, to Randall from what I hear. He, you know, has helped him a lot. And it's being that he helped him at Kentucky, I believe, when he was coaching there. So I'm really excited for the Knicks. Thibodeau, I really hope that this isn't one of those like, let me run the players into the ground and then three years, my team's going to be ass again. I, I just hope that's not the case. But I don't think it is. I think there's something different about this one. This feels like it has a feeling of like he's home. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it feels like he's there and there to stay. It seems like a Tom Thibodeau place and team. And I'm very happy that he's able to get a second chance because I thought he was great with the Bulls. And I don't think he got a fair shot with Minnesota, man. That whole Butler situation just kind of doomed him. You know, he couldn't. There's nothing he could do. And I remember that team with Butler, Wiggins, and Towns before. I believe it was Butler that got hurt. They were four or five seed in the West. They were a good team. And they ended up getting eight seed and I think getting swept or five game sweep by the Rockets. But they were doing a good job that year until that. And then we all know what happened at practice with Jimmy Butler. Man, if somebody tried to do some shit like that to me at practice, I feel like I'd be fighting him. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's just, he, he sounded like he was mad disrespectful. And the funniest part of it to me was just like how he had the interview with Rachel Nichols set up afterwards. So he premeditated all of it. 
<laughs> he he came into the gym going, I'm going to talk shit to the GM. I'm going to play with these backups and crush you. I'm going to talk shit in your face. I'm going to call you saw like like that shit was so funny to me. Um that's why Jimmy Butler is a he's a different breed, man. He, he's one of one of the funnier NBA players, I would say. Uh got lots of love for him. Uh rookie of the year, probably in my opinion the toughest race for all the awards because Anthony Edwards has been producing and not inefficiently either the past you know month and a half or so he's been really putting up numbers and on good shots too he's been phenomenal his athleticism is insane his skill is getting better Funny too speaking of funny guys i mean the a-rod moment this year was ridiculous <laughs> the fact that they said he plays baseball or played baseball as a kid, he didn't know who Alex Rodriguez is. Is beyond ridiculous, man. <laughs> like, like A Rod was so famous. It's like him or Barry Bonds were the most famous baseball player. I would say in the two thousands. You know, maybe maybe Derek Jeter, but to not know who he was, and and you know he doesn't need to. You know what I mean. But it's just it's just funny to me that he played baseball and didn't know Alex Rodriguez. But ultimately, I decided to go with Lamelo because Lamelo Ball just is the better player right now. As much as Edwards has been in the past month, the whole season has to be taken into account. And I know Lamelo missed some games, but Charlotte has been winning with him. They are going to be a playoff team, which I did not think would happen before the season either. So I think that has to be taken into account. The fact that it also seems like he helped not change their culture, but make it, it's more fun. It's that and Eric Collins, who is just phenomenal on the announcements, man. He He's so crazy good. I, I love hearing, Scary Terry, two beauties. Oh man, I I hope that they can get him in for a playoff game somehow, or or like on the TNT broadcast or something, because he he's phenomenal. I I love him, but Lamelo, you know, his jumper was further ahead than I think everyone thought it would be. His playmaking still improving, which is crazy to say, but he's still getting better as a passer, and he's a great defender. Oddly enough, off ball. He creates a lot of chaos. He's getting a lot of tips, a lot of steals. He's getting his hands involved, you know. And he's always looking for his teammates, which there's something to be said for that personally, man. I, I know that that doesn't mean anything in stats or anything, but I know when I play basketball, like at a pickup game, I really want someone who is going to share the ball. And LaMelo Ball seems like he'd be fun teammate to play with. I would love to have him as my point guard. So ultimately it came down to that and maybe there's just some biases in terms of I've been watching LaMelo Ball for longer. You know, we all knew about him as like an eighth grader and freshman. So I do know him a little more and I want to see him win it. So maybe there's some bias there, but he's been phenomenal. He's more than deserving. And the only reason why it's a question to me is the game's miss. Because Edwards was 
scoring, sure, but not efficient. He was having a rough time for a while. But that doesn't mean he's a bust or anything. I still think he's going to be a great player in the NBA. He showcases so much talent. But this year, for this award, Scott B. Lamelo me. Most improved player, it's got to be Julius Randle. Julius Randle was, you know, averaging, what, 20 and 10 last year? Maybe even 19 and 10. And for him to be 25, 10, and 6, the playmaking and the shooting is the obvious growths of improvement, man. He, his shot now is, 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 is flamethrower level. It's incredible. He used to be, when you see Julius Randle shoot a three, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, this possession's over. Like, you, you know, you just get so upset because you're like, you're so strong. You can attack the basket, blah, blah, blah. And now he's not just making, like, spot-up threes, like a stretch four. He is making step-back, fade-away, spin-around threes. Crazy shots. Just absurd shots and he's swishing them and the playmaking too i wonder if he was on a roster with more talent if he would have averaged you know a little more assists but to see him grow the way he did this year to something that personally i always thought i could see in him i'm not even you know just saying that i i remember him drafted seventh i remember wanting marcus smart and being upset we didn't get him but when i saw that we got randall i was like okay you know I, I fucks with Randall, you know, let's get it. And to me, he always had like mini LeBron potential, LeBron light in terms of he was just this big guy that was really strong and felt like he could get to the rim whenever he wanted. But when he came to the NBA, he had trouble finishing over taller defenders. His right hand was still weak. Uh, his shot, like I said, was not good at all. And also, he was kind of not the passer he is now, too. He had his head down all the time whenever he attacked the basket and would get stripped or double teamed, and he would never see it coming and turn over the ball. But now he's worked on all of those things, and we are seeing that full potential being realized, and nothing is cooler in a basketball player than seeing them maximize their potential. 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 Uh, nothing is cooler than that to me. So I'm really excited to see what Randall does going forward. I don't think this is a fluke by any means. I saw he said he wants to retire a New York Nick. I would love to see that unless he wants to come back to the Lakers. You know, I mean, I would not mind at all. But Randall to me is just, I have such an emotional connection to him as a player because he was the first draft pick to first rounder from that like rebuilding Lakers so he was like the centerpiece and then he broke his leg in that first game and it was it was rough but you know to see him succeed just makes me makes me smile man it really does and I hope that they can get some playoff success along with it that would be really exciting so the next player for the next award is six man of the year and this one was fairly easy uh, Derrick Rose was making a late season push for sure, but uh, it's Jordan Clarkson, and he's another one of those guys where it's a former Laker, and to see them grow, and and his growth wasn't necessarily 
in terms of his game, because I think his game is very similar to what it was in those Laker days, except he's a little bit better of a three-point shooter. But for me, it's the confidence. I mean, this man will shoot the ball at will. He doesn't give a fuck who's around him. He is like, I'm going to get mine. I got the green light. I am a bucket getter. And he really has been for them this year. He's been a key part of their success. You know, Utah, I don't know if they're the one seed without Jordan Clarkson being able to help the second unit put up points while Mitchell and Conley get rest. He has just been a great role player for them and ultimately helps raise the ceiling of that team, you know. In the playoffs, you need people that can give your stars some rest. And Mitchell is going to be coming off this injury. He's not going to be 100% Mitchell for this playoffs. So I think Clarkson's going to have to step up even more. And I think it's something he's totally capable of. He's going to go into this playoffs with the same mindset. That mindset doesn't change in the playoffs, you know. He's also... I mean, people forget, but Jordan Clarkson has finals experience. He got traded to the Cavs in that trade that got us Isaiah Thomas and, funny enough, the cap space to side LeBron. So Cleveland's probably shooting themselves over that. Clarkson got to go to the finals, and I I can't recall how he did right now because I just remember that finals being mad boring other than the game one, other than game one. The game one was exciting. (laughs) J.R. Smith really, really... Hey, you know what, actually? I'm out here to bag on J.R. Smith. He's a great player. Seems like a great guy, too, from everything I've heard. So I ain't going to do that. But, yeah, back to Clarkson, though. I I think that he's going to be a key part of their success in the playoffs if they have it. That it's because it's going to be because he stepped up. I think that there's a lot of potential for that Jazz team. I know people are quick to write him off because they're the Jazz. But, I mean, when they're healthy and rolling, this team's hard to beat. They really are. They got a lot of guys that can score, and Gobert is just an anchor on the defensive end. Speaking of, though, not my defensive player of the year. My defensive player of the year is Ben Simmons. And the reason why I went with him is just because he's more versatile. Gobert is your rim protector, and that's about it. And... Nothing wrong with that, you know what I mean? But personally, for me, I feel like a defensive player of the year should not be able to be attacked for their defense. And if you're a guard and you get the switch and Gobert's on you, you're going at Gobert. I don't I don't care that he's seven foot. I mean, we've seen it with Steph Curry making him spin around, Devin Booker this year making him look silly. And those are just the the viral examples. I mean, there are a lot of times where guards can just go right by him because he doesn't have the foot speed to keep up. But Ben Simmons can guard basically anyone. And the fact to me that people were wondering why he's an all-star and why he's as good as he is it's it shows too when people don't watch you know what i mean or when people are just like bro he, he got a uh he got only nine points and uh six rebounds and seven assists he played like garbage and it's like no it's, it's like the same thing with draymond when people say that draymond plays like garbage it's like no their impact's just beyond the stat book it's something you have to see and uh man all i know is if i'm philly if you can get Matisse Thibel, you don't even have to get him to have a good offensive game, but just to get a three ball, 
Then you can play Thibel and then Simmons out there together more often. Oh, man. That's just – that's the dream right there because those two are two of the top ten defenders in the NBA, I would say. Those guys are phenomenal. But uh, that wraps up my yearly awards. Let's go into the All-NBA teams, though. Who are my 15 guys this year that I was just blown away with? For my first team, I have Steph Curry because, well, he's Steph Curry. He changed the game. And – He's showing again why he's the man. You know, a lot of people sleep on him, and he doesn't have the finals MVP, and people joke on him. And But Steph Curry is going to retire as a top 15, maybe top 10 player all time, depending on who you ask. And he just had another phenomenal year where that Warriors team without him is nowhere near playoffs. But... Because of him, they're entering today as the eighth seed. So props to him. I hope we can see some Steph Curry fun in the play-in game. It's going to be exciting. Luka's on my first team as well. Luka, to me, he started the year a little slow, but that was only for like three weeks, so I can't hold that against him. He has just been phenomenal down the stretch. Uh, with Porzingis being out of the lineup and just struggling in general this year, he has carried the team. They're a five seed, and they really don't have business being there, <laughs> if we're being honest. They don't. But a few injuries for other teams and stuff slide their way, and here they are. Looking to play Denver, the Clippers, in round one. I, I personally only want to see the Clippers matchup if we have a healthy Porzingis for the whole series. Because for me, I saw last year a team that totally – was capable of beating the Clippers. They took him to six, and that was with Porzingis missing most of that series. If you have a healthy Porzingis, I see no reason why that couldn't have gone seven or maybe even the Mavericks won. So I hope that we can see a healthy Porzingis alongside Luka because Luka, to me, if I had to guess right now who the next guy is in the league replacing LeBron, you know, it's probably him. Uh, maybe Zion if he works on a few parts of his game but right now it looks like it's going to be uh, Luka Randall on my first team I think he deserves it I really do I think he's been the best player on a team that has totally surprised everyone's expectations and he's done it really efficiently so to me, he's got to be a first-team forward. He's only missed, like, one game. And that's the thing. In a year like this, normally, I, I'm like, eh, missed games might not bother me as much. But in a year like this, with COVID and everything, there was, there's got to be something said for being able to play all the time. And I think you got to reward that. So, Randall, to me, is a first-team. Giannis is a first-team. He's been his usual MVP self. You know, Giannis is someone that could have easily won MVP this year if he had not won the past two years. I think there's a little voter fatigue, so there's no way it's going to happen. But Giannis had a great year again. And then Jokic, you know, I, I kind of talked about him already. So I'll go on to my second team, Chris Paul. I mean, the fact that Chris Paul and, and another guy on here, LeBron, are as old as they are and they're making second-team All-NBAs is something we really 
aren't appreciating, I feel like, you know. The fact that Chris Paul has led his team to the ones or the two seed in the West when teams, you know, people might have thought, oh, okay, like they might be a playoff team, but they are a powerhouse. I think I predicted them to be three before the season, and I had seen that, you know, Chris Paul, what he did with the Thunder. I mean, the Thunder shouldn't have made the playoffs last year, but they did. And I was like, okay, well, this team's better than that team. And they were a five seed. So this team's got to be a little better. And they were. And I'm excited for them in the playoffs because if I had to, or you know what, I'm going to save that for the playoff preview, actually. That's going to be in episode number two. So also Dame on my second team, he's been incredible this year. I hope that because he sounds like he's a Portland for life guy I just hope they're able to get the pieces around him because uh, it would it would suck it's, it, in general you're always going to see certain players never win a ring you know but he's someone I really want to see win one he is just a dog man he's someone like with LaMelo but in a different way but you want him on your team you know he's got your back and you know he's going to come through in the clutch, too. And there's something said for someone that you can just kind of look at and be like, all right, take us home, you know, take us to the promised land. And Dame's that guy. He's totally capable of putting the team on his back. LeBron's on my second team. This one was tough, but in the end, I did let my personal biases seek through on this. But that's because I'm not exactly an all-NBA voter. I don't know if you guys know that. But I don't actually get contacted by the NBA to vote on it, surprisingly. Um, So... With my own personal list, I said, hey, I could throw a little bias in there. And plus, LeBron, when he was healthy, he's an MVP candidate. He he was. If he had stayed healthy all year, he would have been first team. So I figure knocking him down one team isn't too bad of a punishment for that. Kawhi is on my second team. Uh, He's had a quiet season for the Clippers. The Clippers are doing a way better job this year. And that's why I'm kind of afraid of them in the playoffs is they're doing a way better job this year at staying low-key and staying quiet and keeping to themselves. And I think that they can make some noise for sure. You know, the question is, do they have the, the playoff demons off their back, so to speak? You know, the Clippers as a franchise, not, not Paul George, not... I'm talking about as a franchise, do they? Because, you know, some of those 2010s Clippers looked like title teams and never got there. So I hope that, you know, they can overcome that for their sakes. Personally, I don't want them to. But for their sake, I hope that they can overcome that Clippers curse, so to speak, and get going and winning some playoff games and you know, I just hope we get another Battle of L.A. I, I want a Battle of L.A. We didn't get it last year, but it would be so fun. Oh, man. That's that's the playoff series we all want to see, I feel like. Not just the Lakers fan. Like, we all want to see that. Oh, great. Great stuff. And then Embiid for my center because, you know, he missed some time. But when he was active, he was dominant. He was hard to stop. 
he's why Philly, you know, even with Brooklyn having three, like, stars, he's why Philly still has a chance because he's that good. And I just hope that we can have nothing but health from him in the playoffs because I know in that Toronto series a few years ago, he was sick and stuff, and I know he was sick the other day. So I just hope we can get a healthy Embiid for a playoff run. And for my third team, uh, the guards, Devin Booker is my first guard. I think you got to give him the respect that a two-seed guard deserves, you know, for someone that's putting up stats like him. Now, I was looking up his uh, shooting percentages the other day. Uh, him and Trey Young both shocked me as being uh, shooting worse than I thought. Now, I didn't think they were in the 40% because of how much they would take. But I thought they'd be in the high 30s, and they're both like mid to to lower 30s. So that was a little tidbit I found that was interesting. But Devin Booker, I'm excited to see him play meaningful playoff basketball because I feel like he's one of those guys that down the stretch, even with Chris Paul on his team, might just say, hey, this is my possession. I, I got this, Chris. To say that to someone like Chris Paul, you know, you got to be confident. And he's confident as hell. But for a reason, he, you know, you don't get a, a name drop in a Drake song for no reason, you know, wet like a book. <laughs> he really is a phenomenal player, and I hope that we get some great playoff moments from him this year. Uh, Russell Westbrook. This one was tough because there were a lot of good guards. I thought Kyrie could have got it. I think Harden could have got it. I think that... I know I'm missing it. Donovan Mitchell, there we go. Uh, Donovan Mitchell easily could have won it too. But to me, Westbrook, the way he's been last like 30 games, it's uh, as, as almost as, as peak Westbrook levels, if you ask me. And peak Westbrook was an MVP. So for him to not be on NBA team all NBAs is just crazy to me. I, I think that the way he single-handedly said, no, we are not missing the playoffs. We are going to make this freaking play in game. You know, it's something that's inspiring, you know. He refuses to quit. And a lot of players would have quit when they were 17 and 33, you know. But this man did not. And now they're probably going to end the season 34 and 38. From 17 and 33, to thir- that's that's... 17 and 5 in their last 22 if they win today. Incredible. Incredible. Never would have. Um, my forwards for the third team Paul George, uh, you gotta reward him. He has been a little inconsistent, which is always a thing with him, but he's had some real hot streaks this season, man. And I really hope that we get the Paul George playoff experience this year from Indiana, not from OKC. Or not from last season, man. Now, like I was at the park the other day and uh, somebody shot a three and it hit off the side of the backboard. And now, whenever I see that, the first thing I think of is Paul George. Just like, wow, that was really something else we witnessed. <laughs> that, <laughs> you know? Like, I can't believe we saw... Paul George shoot a three, an elite three-point shooter, and have it hit the side of the backboard. 
he's got to redeem himself, you know, and uh, I hope this is the year for him. You know, it seems like the bubble was rough on him, so I'm going to give him a little bit of pass. But, you know, eventually you, you can't just keep getting passes, though, you know. And so we got to see it this year, I think. Uh, Jason Tatum. I think he had that rough stretch as well when he's come back from COVID, but the way he finished the season and he's gotten better to me overall as a player, you know, he had his first triple double this year and that shows he's gotten better as a playmaker a little bit. And now I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in the playoffs without Brown because teams are probably going to kind of zone in on him. So it's got to be Kemba and Fournier, like I was talking about earlier, that are going to have to step up in order for the Celtics to win some games. But I'm excited to see how Tatum takes that challenge head on, you know. But as for my last spot, it's Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, Jazz is the best team. Feels like in the regular season anyways. And Gobert's a huge part of that. So, I, I did think about Clint Capella, but uh, Gobert, to me, just deserves a little more respect because of the fact that he's won Defensive Player of the Year a couple times, and has he won three times? I can't, I can't recall right now, but he, to me, deserves that third-team spot 100%. So, before I end the podcast today, I did want to get into those Hall of Fame speeches yesterday a little bit. Uh, what an emotional day, right? With three guys that are some of the top players of all time, truly. You know, I mean, it's not like that every year with the Hall of Fame. But Duncan, KG, and Kobe are are top all-time guys. They are so good. And I just want to talk about each of them for a little bit. I'll start with uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, I liked his speech. Spencer Haywood getting thanked, I thought, was huge because he really was a pioneer for going to the league with no degree. He did lay that foundation down, and it's what allowed us to get players like Kevin Garnett, Kobe, T-Mac, uh, Dwight, LeBron, J.R. Smith. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure J.R. Smith didn't go to college. I, I, I can't confirm that right now. But, yeah, he was a different breed, man. He was so fierce and just scared the living shit out of you when you saw him, you know. You knew that this man was capable of fucking up a whole game in a good way. Like, he was totally capable of causing havoc on the defensive end and also putting up 30-something on the offensive end because he had such a nice mid-range jumper, you know, kind of kind of similar to Aldridge a little bit, but definitely better. And that's, you know, no slight on Aldridge. Aldridge is a great mid-range shooter, but maybe it just seems like he's better because he hit him in some bigger moments. Than Aldridge has, but but that mid-range game from Kevin Garnett was elite. You know, I'm trying to think of like there are some players today that remind me of him. Uh, mentally, Westbrook comes to mind in terms of he ain't scared of nothing, you know, and he's he's gonna be fighting his ass off the whole game. Physically, 
he reminds me a lot of AD and his game style and play. I just wish AD could take some of that mindset. And there are times when it seems like he does have that. But it's not all the time with AD. And KG, it was all the time. He was aggressive. And I'm really glad he got that ring in Boston. You know, it's it sucks it couldn't happen in Minnesota. But uh, that's not his fault, man. The franchise is, is cheeks. <laughs> no other way to say it. They're cheeks, man. So... I'm really happy for him. Uh, he didn't think Ray Allen. Everyone's talking about that. So I just want to, you know, kind of put an end to this right here and now and say that, uh, oh, he definitely meant to shade Ray Allen. A hundred percent. There's no way. There's no way he would think. I mean, he didn't think Rondo. I don't think. But I think maybe that was more so he just forgot because... There's all that beef with Ray Allen, man. It's kind of wild. I feel I feel bad for uh, Celtics fans that their team. It's kind of similar to like the Fab Five with Michigan, where they had this great team, but they can't, you know, like get along. So I really hope that they can come together, and Celtics fans can see them all together again, and. It'd be fun, you know? I I know, like, how I wish I could see, you know, that Fab Five team. I, I They're probably my favorite college team because uh, I had not been into college basketball, and then I read the book about them and watched the documentary, too. And they, they seem to be so cool in their time. I wish I was there during it, you know, but they seem to just have a certain swagger to them. And and these Celtics did too. So I really hope that they can mend those wounds and come together. You know, the first finals I watched was the Celtics Lakers and when Celtics won and KG, everything is possible. Um, and that was like what helped me fall in love with the game and, and get to this point, you know. So I'm always thankful for, for that moment and in return thankful for Kevin Garnett and stuff because we wouldn't have seen Kobe get those two extra rings without that loss, I feel like. You know, that loss helped fuel him. So thank you to KG, man. What what a all-time talent and, and an actor. <laughs> um, so next is... Tim Duncan, he had a really funny speech, I thought. Uh, is really making me giggle. <laughs> I know that's a little weird to say, but he, he had a few jokes in there that was funny. And I liked that at the end when uh, <laughs> he went to thank Pop. And he's like, ah, Pop, I don't even want to thank you or whatever. And I thought that was so funny. He was one of the last big man, if not the last one, I guess maybe Aldridge had some of it too. Uh, but like with an old man game where he just had some very simple moves and he just did them very, very well. Uh, he had like the bank shot. You know, he, he he had like such an old man at the Y playing pickup ball like type of game. And it's sad to see that kind of on the way out. You know, I wish there was room for it in today's game. Maybe there is. And we just haven't seen the guy yet. Maybe it's Mobley. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's that's a lot of pressure to put on a young guy. But I think that Tim Duncan stands for, you know, 
along with Kobe, just this sense of professionalism. You know, I mean, uh, stayed with the one team the whole career and just had a sense of like when he came in the building, he was he set the example. You know, what I mean, he he followed Tim Duncan's lead, and a lot of that probably came from Popovich too. But the fact that Tim Duncan's now a coach for them is awesome, and I can't wait till he eventually takes over as the head coach for the Spurs because if he does, that's now Becky Hammond could too. But personally. I, I want to see Tim Duncan coach him. You know, I, and and Becky, I wouldn't be fine if she's still assistant or if she gets a head coaching job like somewhere else. But just because of how he played his time in Spurs uniform and stuff, I, it would just be so cool to see Tim Duncan be the head coach for them. I think he could be, you know, an extension of Pop. And in thinking Pop was a little emotional too because Pop, he said, it helped you know, would come to his islands that he's from and visit his family and friends and stuff. And and that's just so cool. He didn't need to do that. You could have been his head coach and not done those things, but he did. And it's just another example of why Popovich is a great dude, you know. He, he time and time again proves himself to be a great guy. So we all love the Tim Duncan you know, congrats on the haul. I want to talk about Tamika Catchings because I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm, you know, some huge WNBA fan that's, you know, been paying attention over the years and stuff. It's something that I have been getting more into actually the past like year or so during the quarantine. But she, I wanted to give her, you know, the full justice of recognition so i made sure to do some research before i talked about her i did watch some highlights and i also looked up some stats first i just want to say she seems like someone that you don't want to play against but you love to have on your side because she was physical and hustling and was not afraid to dive for balls not afraid to box out like she was you know just a hard worker on the court and also an incredible defender which is funny because she's saying that when she went to Tennessee that Pat Summit was saying that she had a terrible defensive slant uh, stance and for her to become you know I got I got the stats right here 10 time all-star five time defensive player of the year five times that's ridiculous um to be that dominant on the defensive end for that long is is incredible a four-time gold medalist four-time gold medalist that's incredible leads all-time WNBA in steals career steal average of 2.4 per game. Could you imagine having a teammate that you knew is going to get two to three steals a game? Every game? And I'm sure they had a lot of outliers too that were way better, you know? 12 time All NBA. 
all WNBA apologies. You know, one time champ with the fever in 2012 and finals MVP. Ten time all oh I said that already, sorry. She also won a championship at Tennessee. Career high season was 3.1 steals per game, which is ridiculous. And I did all that uh, while overcoming being hard of hearing. Uh, Truly inspiring. It was cool to see how her and Kobe knew each other at a young age because both their fathers had played the NBA and played overseas in Italy. And so they had gotten to kind of not, I don't know if they grew up with each other per se, but they at least were around each other growing up. You know what? That sounds so stupid. That's the same thing. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, she just seemed to be truly inspiring, and she had a good speech, and had a certain line that really resonated with me. Where was it? Right here. She said, They say it takes a village to raise a child. I say it takes a village to make dreams come true. Wow. That that and and it's funny because when he when she said it, uh Don Staley had uh the look on your face like when you hear like a really fire rap verse or something where you're just like, ooh, your your eyebrows scrunch up and your nose, you know? <laughs> like uh I think the stank face is what some people might call it. Uh she was like, oh, dang, like, you really just said that. You really just said that. And, uh, but yeah, she's, I, I hope that, you know, the more I watch WNBA, that the more I'll be able to appreciate her and other people that built the foundation before them. Because I'm, I'm big on thanking people or appreciating people that came before you and what you did. So, I think that it's going to be cool to see more, like, where her impact lies in the modern game and stuff. And who's inspired by her and who, you know, models their game somewhat after her. So, Tamika Catchings, congrats on the Hall of Fame. And uh, what a career. What a career. And last... But certainly not least, I'm not talking about Rudy. Sorry. Uh, You know, he coached the Rockets and stuff and was a good coach. That's about all I got. Uh, I just wasn't around during that era. You know what I mean? And uh, and I wasn't really too interested in in him necessarily as a figure. So I was like, "Um, I'm just going to skip him. But finally it it was Kobe. And Vanessa with a emotional speech, man. That that was so sad, you know, but so heartfelt and was really inspiring to watch. She said a line that really resonated with me, especially as I do this podcast and work on it. It said, if you're gonna bet on someone, bet on yourself. And that resonated with me, man, because that's that's what I'm doing with this. Is I could have kept going through school and just gotten a job 
at a radio station tried to like work my way up and then eventually i get there and blah 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 but i'm betting on myself that i can do it all myself and then i have full ownership of it you know and in general kobe you know he really does serve as an inspiration you know growing up and watching him you know he was the guy I know LeBron might have been better at times. And stuff. I don't care about that. Kobe was the guy. Like, Kobe... It's hard to even put into words, but... I... I try to carry some of him with me at all times in terms of, of that work ethic and the mindset and... Just his, it seems like he was a very good human being. So, trying to impact everyone that I meet and interact with. Because it seems like he did. And I want to have that impact on people. So, he really inspires me every day. And when I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. Or, oh, I'm in a bad mood today. I don't feel like saying hi to this person or something he he inspires me to push through you know because that's what he did and to see his life oh man get taken the way it did from him it makes you realize that it can happen to you at any time and so there's no better time to dream chase to work hard to do your best than right now so I want to thank Kobe for that message. The career speaks for itself. Uh, I don't feel like I really need to go in on that because everyone knows what he, the man did, you know. And I, uh, I just hope that it doesn't get lost in time of how dominant this dude was and how inspiring he was I, I hope that that doesn't get lost in time and I don't think it will I think you know they say legends never die and I think there's truth to that you know he was always gonna live on you know he's through the people he touched you know and that's that's the goal man you want to have a profound impact on those you care about to the point where when you leave You've touched them in such a way that it's almost like you're living on through them, you know. So, yeah, I think I'm going to wrap things up here. Oh, sorry. That was a little loud there. But thank you for tuning in to the Cooperland podcast, episode one. A few announcements before we end. Uh, I will be trying to Twitch stream after the play-in games if I'm able to. So look for that. Uh, make sure you're followed on the socials. And I wanted to preview next episode. We're going to be talking about the playoffs and previewing each series. I want to talk about my favorite championship teams of all time. I want to do a little Top Shot and 2K talk as well. And whatever else in the next few days gets my attention. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. 
and uh, I promise this podcast is going to grow with you, similar to the young Lakers, you know. I'm, I know it's not going to be perfect right away, and I know people are going to maybe, you know, not have full-on support for it right away or whatever, you know. But it's something that I'm going to keep putting energy into and keep working on, and uh, I just hope you keep tuning in. So thank you so much, and I will see you next time.